We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. And we are recording. I had to say that today because Rodney. There was <laughs> a damn good chance of horrible stuff got recorded on the podcast this is going to be tough because i can't see the knobs to turn well just turn that light on i can see <laughs> no we're good we're good drive we're getting drive this is becoming like a thing what what's that the driving and, and recording yeah well you know you yeah, you multitasking you, you multitask yeah record when you can um they got awfully quiet back there didn't they they did once that record button went off, <laughs> Kazi was awful mouthy Ka- before. Ka- <laughs> Kazi was. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Kazi. <laughs> um, talk to your mom. <laughs> she hung up on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome, so, welcome to the podcast, yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Um, it's... Back to hunt it forward today. Yes. Uh, which is good because I don't know what order we're going to release these in, so I'm not going to say like the last two we were on the soapbox, but for sure the last re- podcast we recorded was soapboxy as hell. Yes. And um, although those are important, they're not very fun, and this one should be a much more entertaining podcast than... Um, Talking about stupid people in New Mexico. Yep. Um, Kazi is here. Kazi is here. Kazi, so we I got, wasn't talking got, about Kazi. We've got. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. We've got Touche. Touche. Our Hunt It Forward participant. Yep. And we have. Uh, Kazi. You guys, how long you, have you guys known each other? We've known each other for 10 years. 10 years. Eric Cosgrove. Uh, we call him. They call him Kazi. I'm starting to call him Kazi because it's a lot of fun. Right. <laughs> um, you you have some hunting experience. Uh, kind of give us a little bit of background. Yeah, so I've been hunting for about 16 years. Uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so mostly whitetail. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come give it a shot sometime. Um, yeah, I just grew up hunting with my dad and my brothers. Uh, a lot of hardwoods and tree stand hunting. So most of this stuff is uh, pretty foreign to me, but uh, trying to get into it here. Cool. Uh, yeah, so we we took these guys out uh, doing a little scouting for antelope, doing a little bit of mock stalking. Yeah, it. So, hunt it forward continues to grow, um, and and today was an example of that. In in you know in previous years, just because of the, the distance in between us and our hunt it forward participants, we haven't been able to spend as much hands-on time as we wanted to but now because both of our hunt at four participants are like same place Mm -hmm. it has made it a lot easier to get together more and do some stuff like that like like what we did today and what we did today was was really cool it was a lot of fun yep that's true take it away rodney (laughs) i I was done man i'll let you continue on well that's what we did um yeah, so why are you letting me continue on? You guys are the ones that did it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, like Rodney said, we we try and we try and kind of evolve. Um, third third set of hunt it forward participants, uh, always kind of building, 
better ways to teach the skills that, that we feel that they need. Um, and this was, this was no different. Um, up until this point, the very first time that we've had participants out in the field actually chasing an animal, looking at a live animal, uh, has been on their hunt. Yes. At which, for obvious reasons, can be and probably was if we went back and, and talked to our participants, which uh, you can kind of do that by going back and talking or listening to to their podcasts with us. Uh, they were they were nervous. There were yeah. there was some there was some pressure. There was some stress uh, because it's the first time they're actually doing all these things and learning these skills in the field. No matter what we had done to prepare them through classroom type uh, learning, hands on out in the field, uh, in my opinion, is is going to be for hunting. Uh, one of, one of the most important things that you can do to help people learn. Yeah, it. So it was really cool to get out there to get get on the ground, um, literally for me and Touche. Um, <laughs> but here's here's the thing: you're you're exactly right. And and what you would expect the result to be from this is, I, I mean, so far we've been 100% yeah. with our participants, right? And so what you would expect is, I don't know how you can be better than that, but you would expect it to be better somehow, right? Yes. And Touche is probably going to blow it. <laughs> Even with all the extra preparation, we're going to lose our 100%. No, no, I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't either. I think, I think it just gives him, it gives him an extra little bit of an edge. Um, we were talking about it earlier, and... You, you know, we're, we do these things and it's like, man, I wish we were recording right now, but you got to kind of go back and, and rehash some of the things that you talked about because they're right. important points to bring up. Yeah. And particularly since this podcast hopefully is being listened to by other new, new hunting, hunters, new hunters, new hunting folks, um, it bears repeating. So we were talking about it a little bit earlier uh, in in law enforcement training, which I've, you know, I've got some background in law, in law enforcement training. They, the training is designed and certainly specific training, what they call reality-based training, is designed to put officers in a situation that um, is similar to real life, as close to real life as you can possibly get without, uh, without putting someone in harm's way or in danger um so you you set up a scenario and uh and you let an officer work through it um and hopefully if it's being done right it they end up with a positive outcome from the scenario whatever the the intended scenario outcome is you help as an instructor, you help them reach that, and they and they end up with a positive outcome. Um, what that does psychologically, and there's studies that have been done to show that, what that does psychologically is it gives you a reference card in your brain. And any time that you are put into a stressful situation, your brain is frantically searching its 
archives to find something similar to help make sense of the situation and dictate what your actions are going to be. It's all it's in all muscle memory. It's well, it's some muscle memory, but it's all part of that fight or flight type of response. Um, that being said, we're trying to do similar here in creating a situation where in a stress-free environment, we went out today, didn't have a gun, didn't have anything. We had, you know, comf- you know, comfortable clothes. The clothes Shay was wearing today, he could wear on a normal hunt. Uh, sure. Obviously, because we got the job done. Obviously, because we got the job <laughs> done. But um, could could do that. He had, you know, he had binoculars. He had some of the gear that he would use. The main difference is he's not carrying a gun. We don't have a license in the pocket, and we don't. He's not carrying a gun. But um, so what we did today was went down and we scouted. We talked about. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about kind of all the stuff that we went over. But what we did today is went down and scouted and did a mock stock. It's not even a mock stock. It's an actual stock. Yeah. On an antelope, on an actual animal, and simulated. Getting in within range, setting up, and a simulated shot. And doing all that in a stress-free situation uh, is going to prepare, hopefully, better prepare Shay for when he gets back in that situation. His mind's going to go to, okay, I've already done this. And so it won't be as stressful because he's already made a successful stock on an antelope. Yeah, exactly. And it it, it was really cool. Um and and it was and of course not just the not just the stock but you know um, animal recognition you know so many things that we take for granted and it's one of the reasons that we started this program we've we've hashed this just a thousand times but I think it's worth saying a thousand and one is there are so many things that we take for granted as hunters because we've done it a thousand times yep and we just don't think about it. In terms of other people understanding that there are things that they need to do, you know, like telling them when we get out of the truck, make sure you shut the doors quietly. Yeah. You know, it's those little things that that we have picked up through doing this program as things that we know we need to tell the, the hunters because they won't know because they've never done it. Yep. And so... You know, we went through we went through you know, spotting animals, animal recognition, shot placement, um, all kinds of things. You know about knowing your quarry. We didn't get it into detail today about um, habits of a lot of habits. We did get into some of the habits of of antelope which or pronghorn, which is what we are going to be hunting. Um, we did get into a few, but not a lot. Um, but the big score of today was, like you were saying, the mock stock. And Shay, walk us through that in your in your words, because you know we did we we did a pretty good stock today uh, on an antelope. Um, granted, it was a buck, and you'll be hunting a doe or a female, female or immature. Um, but tell us tell us about that experience from your point of view. Yeah, I had a ton of fun, and I think uh, the one thing Rodney had pointed out, which being completely new to hunting, you guys saying that things you don't think about, like shutting the door softly, 
uh, to be honest, I probably would not have shut that door softly. So just starting off the bat, I was learning something. Um, I'm a big hands-on person, so I, me going out in the field and, and having to take an animal, and that would be my first time doing a stalk, I know I would have been under a lot of pressure and I would have felt it. Doing it today, now, like Kyle had said, I have some sort of reference point. So when we got out of that car, uh, they kind of ran me over everything I had to do. And as ridiculous as it sounds, taught me how to use the binoculars. I didn't know how to focus the binoculars. <laughs> uh, and set it up on the, was it the stand? The, the walking yeah, stick, yeah. Yeah, uh, the trigger, stick. the shooting stick that um, it, to me is just, uh, it, it's it's an amazing tool that we didn't even start using till you know a few four or five years ago but it, it's a great stabilization stabilization tool for your binoculars when you're out in the field so you can stand up uh, and get a good solid rest for your binoculars which helps you see clearer in them and it can really be the difference in judging an animal on whether or not you want to go for it is having that extra stability to really be able to look at the fine details absolutely and, and, and in the long term it's easier on your eyes yeah <laughs> Yeah, so so little things like like Rodney telling me to to glass the essentially the the ridge line to see when I could see its its antlers or its horns, and if I couldn't, then go a couple yards, ten yards, twenty yards, and and do it again and continue to do that. And while looking for that, also looking for other animals. It's a lot of things I I I didn't know and I wouldn't have thought about. Um, and then we got to a point where we were close enough with little cover, so we had to get down on our hands and knees. One thing I was not expecting was crawling on cactuses. Uh, so that was interesting for sure. The second I put my hands down, my brain started lighting up. But it was all good. I was having a ton of fun. And uh, but and and here's a good, here's a good point. Um, that in if we had just taken you out and that had been your first experience, that would have added to kind of the sensory overload. And I think now you know or at least recognize. Okay. Uh, maybe there's some equipment that that I need uh, to make myself a little bit more comfortable. But like you said, it your your it's light lights your brain up. But one of the the most important facts is that even though this was not the necessarily the real thing, um, you still fought through that and you went through, you went through with it. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And Rodney's patience and and telling me whispering little things to me as we're going like staying close and looking for hand signals and uh again glassing for the the horn so we know how far we are and telling me how uh letting me guess how far different bushes are so i can gauge a distance on how far the animal is and and getting closer was all a huge help and uh yeah so we got to like well we got to maybe 150 yards i remember we stopped and rodney told me or no we got to about 200 yards and Rodney said that we had to try to close half that distance uh, and that's when we really got low and started taking our time and at about 150 yards uh, the the antelope stood up and and turned our way so then he let me go or he went over with me how I would take a shot and let me simulate that by using the those sticks and and he gave me his stick so I could pretend it was a gun and then made me scream boom as loud as I could uh, so we could go over that that whole process so it was incredible yeah it 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 really was and i I think we've stated this plenty of times too um we learned so much doing this uh all the little things the the little details you know because we've done it because we've been a part of it and and like 
me and Kyle have made that stock a hundred times, you know, but we're not thinking of explaining those details or teaching those details or anything like that. We're just doing them because we've done it over and over and over. Right. And so going through that with you, um, is an, and, and this is kind of a, a good example. You know, when you tell the story of, of that stock, it's like three minutes, you know, well, yeah. we saw them and then we went out there and Rodney told me some things and we got there and I fixed them and later that I shot it. Right. And I've got all of these like million little details mm-hmm. of that whole thing because I'm not focused on the animal. I'm focused on you. Right. I'm focused on trying help, trying to help you understand all the little scenarios and all of the little things. Um, and it's great because that's what happens. You know, every every stock you do like that, you're going to learn something new, you know, because so many of them are going to be blown stocks and you're going to be like, yep, this is what this is what caused that to go bad. And um, not often enough does it all go right for you to learn, well, this this is what I did right, you know. Uh, most of the time it's, this is what I did wrong. It's learning from mistakes uh, yeah. rather than learning and, from successes. And because me and Kyle have had all of those failures, it's very easy for me to just stop, kind of step back. And, I'm, and we'll get Kyle's perspective and even Kazi's perspective here in a minute um, because we all had a different view of what was going on, right? Yeah. So from my perspective, going through all of the little details, catching... Um, like the very first detail to me was getting the cactus in between us and the pronghorn so we could get close enough to find it, see exactly where it's at and which direction it's facing, how the wind is, and then plan our stock from there. So that to me, that's the very first little detail, right? And then we moved over a little bit because we kind of wanted to get behind his sight lines. So we, we veered to the left. We were going to head to a cactus. And then as we kind of got close to that cactus, we had to change change the plan because the wind shifted just a tiny bit. And if we would have went all the way over to that cactus, it would have put us in direct, uh, you know, directly um, upwind to him. So we kind of changed direction that, at that point, And that's when we got down and had to crawl. Um, Something that I didn't explain to you real well when we were doing that because we didn't have a firearm, like Kyle said, we were just carrying um, the shooting sticks. And you had mentioned this when we were out there how the shooting sticks tend to make some noise, right? Mm-hmm. But when we're hunting, you're gonna be carrying a gun, um, so that's gonna replace the shooting stick, so you're not gonna be able to get that out to eradicate the noise. And one thing that I know when you're carrying a rifle and crawling is, you know how bad our hands got messed up, right? Sure. It's going to be one hand <laughs> that takes all of that beating because you got a rifle in one hand and you're not going to be putting it on the ground mm-hmm. like you do the shooting stick. You're going to be holding it up off the ground and just crawling on one hand. And when you do that, you tend to make a little bit more noise because you don't have that three points of contact on the ground at all times. You're... You're going from three points of contact to two points of contact instead of from four points of contact to three points of contact like we were doing today with that shooting stick on the ground. So there will be some new elements to it when we are actually 
hunting because of that. Um, because you'll have that gun up off the ground rather than putting it on the ground and using it as a handhold. But hopefully we'll, we'll be smarter next time and take gloves too. <laughs> and, <Yes>. maybe, <laughs> and maybe even knee pads. Although my knees are, are okay, um, my, my hands are tore up because we were going through some pretty crackly, crackly ground. Um, but then another cool thing that I really liked was, uh, was how quick that you picked up on distances. So you mentioned the the distances the distances of the different bushes, and just for our listeners. So the reason that I was doing that is we knew that that pronghorn was about I don't know two hundred and fifty yards out there, right? And I shot the first bush, and it was fifteen yards. And I asked you the distance, and you got it. And I asked you the next bush, and and you got it too. You were within a couple of yards, you know, and it was forty yards. And then the next one. Um, you were like way off. <laughs> I was off by like sixty yards. Yeah, because it was it was it was one hundred and seventy yards, and you were I, I think you said like one ten or something like that. And um, but the reason that you shoot all of those different distances is this: so as you're moving, right? What you're preparing for is the inevitable moment when that animal stands up. Either, either because it's moving to a new location or going to feed or because it's busted you. Inevitably, that animal is going to stand up. You hope it's not until you get set up. But you have to be ready in that moment when that animal stands up. And if it's within your uh, range, your effective you know, range. If, you're, if, if it's within your effective range, you need to kind of know what that's at, right? It's not as big of a deal with a rifle because, like Kyle says, you know, there's not much drop. So if your gun is sighted in at 200 yards, at 300 yards, you're pretty much just going to be holding dead on maybe a tiny bit higher. You'll know that from the practice that you do at the range, right, mm-hmm. where, where your effective range is. But if you're already inside of your effective range, say 300 yards is your effective range and we're already at 250, well... You need to know, like, especially if you're hunting with a muzzleloader or a bow, that's when you need to know where you're at. And so if you measure a bush and you're 40 yards from that bush, right, and you measure the animal and you're 240 yards from the animal and you're crawling along and all of a sudden that animal stands up and you look and you're at that bush. You know that bush was 40 yards. You know the animal was 240 yards. You subtract that 40, you know he's at 200. There's your shot. You're, you're within your effective range. You, you, you know those distances because you're counting them along the way. Um, and you're shooting different, at, different, different things, and they're landmarks. So, like I said, you want to take it in 10-yard chunks. You know, you want to you knock 10 yards off. And once you knock that 10 yards off, you want to knock another 10 yards off until you get just as close as you possibly can. And then you want to wait for that animal to stand up and make a good shot. Hopefully without him ever knowing that you're there Mm -hmm. so when you start knocking those distances off and you start reaching but the best thing to do is use those landmarks that way you know okay now i'm 150 yards from it now i'm 140 yards from it now i'm 130 yards from it and if at any point in time during that stock he stands up or goes to blow out of there you know where you're at Mm -hmm. and so another point to that um that i think is really important is um, the further you out, the further you are out, 
the more movement can be tolerated. The closer yeah. you get in, the less movement can be tolerated. And so if you've got a range finder, it, it may be a small movement, but as the closer you get, the more they have the chance to notice that movement. Yeah. And so if you're out at, you know, let's say 240 yards and you have ranged those landmarks, you can now effectively close that distance and be confident in your effective range within that context without mm-hmm. having to risk that movement. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. taken that equa- that out of the equation. Yeah. And every little every little um Every little trick that you can do, every little thing that you can do to increase your odds, you need to try and do. Yeah. And and while you're doing that, too, if if that animal, especially if you start out at a longer distance, like let's say you start at 600 yards, right? And you're going along there and you may be at 350, you may be at 300, that those distances begin to matter. They matter less and less the closer you get. But the further out you are, the more they matter. And what you don't want to have to do if that animal stands up, especially if they stand up because they've smelled you or they've seen you or they've heard you, you aren't going to have a lot of time. And and that movement, like Kyle was talking about, is important. You do not want to have to grab your rangefinder and range that animal and then go to your weapon. You want to just go to your weapon. You want to have the confidence that you know where you're at. You've already measured those distances. You know how far out there he is. And you want to just go to your weapon with the confidence that you know the distance. Mm -hmm. How often do you go out and get busted and the animal's just gone? Nine times out of ten. Nine times out of ten, yeah. If not more. I mean, so so it it depends. You, You can look pretty... It holds true across most landscapes. Um, it'll be just a, a higher harvest rate. So let's say for public land, um, obviously obviously your, your harvest rate is going to be higher with a rifle. Why? Because you have a longer effective range. Um, the harvest rate is going to be far, or your success rate, I should say, is going to be far lower with archery mm-hmm. because you have to get in closer you have more chance of being you know seen smelled heard whatever because you have to get in close mm-hmm. and then you have the intermediate of muzzleloader whatever the other implement that you have um, or that you're going to hunt with uh, whether it's public land or private land that holds true um, those that success rate is going to increase with the effect, the effectiveness, and the effective range of your implement. Um, that that being said, just because you have a rifle doesn't mean you're going to harvest an animal. You still have to be proficient with that weapon. Uh, but yeah, it, the success rate uh, is not guaranteed. It 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 heavily weighs. You know what heavily weighs into it is your skills on the ground your ability to silently walk silently uh, get into position your ability to read the wind your ability to use every natural advantage uh, to or natural feature to your advantage Uh, it's very as you as you now know it's very difficult out there on the plains because you don't have a lot to hide behind Mm -hmm. so you like sports analogies right love them so 
successful success rate for me and Kyle uh, as as hunting together, right? We are batting 500. That's success rate. That is uh, hunts we've gone on and how many times we have taken an animal home. Okay. But that's overall success rate. Yeah. If you're talking about how many animals we have taken versus how many stocks we've done, um, we're not even in the minor leagues, dude. <laughs> wow. It's it's just, yeah, they fired us a long time oh. ago. We have been <laughs> cut because that is the harder part. You, we, we have gone on hunts where we have been on 10, 15 stocks in a hunt, right, um, between the two of us. And... A lot of, and like I said, even bad, even being fifty percent successful with the two of us in taking animals, that's a lot of stocks and a lot of blown stocks. And sometimes you do everything right and you pop up and the animal's just gone and you're like, what happened? And you have no clue. But most of the time, you can pinpoint it. I came in wrong. I let him see me. I moved too fast. I made too much noise. Most of the time you can pinpoint it, but that's a good thing because now you can correct that. Sure. Um, that was going to be one of my other questions. With both of you watching me stalk, what is something that you would have, what's something you would critique? So, so before, uh, let's, let's hold that question because, yeah. um, I think it's important to get Kazi's, uh, yes. viewpoint. Kazi, you have, have not done much, if any, western big game hunting correct no western big game hunting so no western big game hunting so this is a new experience for you totally um you did not take an active you know an active per se role Mm -hmm. in the stock but you got to watch it um give us your impressions give us your thoughts uh and and maybe walk us through what what you learned what you were thinking during during this experience yeah definitely um it was uh, a couple things I'm actually pretty familiar with as far as, like, wind goes. You know, even even back home in a stationary position, you do have to play the wind. Uh, the, the difference in that being that, uh, you know, you're in a tree stand and you're banking on a habitual animal, right? Um, you're, you're on just trails. You're in a spot where there's a lot of does and you know they're there and there's a buck hopefully going to be coming um and there's not really any action taken until that animal gets in front of you um so so this was pretty cool you know we obviously had to spot the animal first and uh it was cool getting to experience the progression and the process of getting within range of him instead of him getting in range of us which is what i'm actually really used to um so it was cool you know um like even how the wind goes um with being hunting whitetail right I'm, I'm in that one position so it was cool to watch rodney and shay in front of us and i was back with kyle um and just kyle describing why they're doing the stalk the way that they're doing it like just cutting like rodney said a little bit to the left um because that wind did change and we we noticed it right away you know it kind of went from left to right to kind of right on our backs and uh me and kyle were back behind that cactus that you guys started off at and uh kyle explained and and this was pretty cool because i'm not used to this at all where 
you know, if that was a real hunt and it was just me and Kyle or Shay and I or Rodney and I where if I was behind, you know, rather than be locked on that animal that you're stalking, I, I'm watching the peripherals, you know, and looking for anything else just in case you guys don't see it. But um, it was cool because, like I said, like we talked about earlier, I've known Shay for a long time and I know that he's excited to hunt, you know, and uh, hasn't really done much hunting at all. Actually, have you hunted at all prior to this? Nothing. Yeah. So um, it's new to me. So obviously, I'm I'm trying to be a sponge as well and just taking everything that I can. Um, but it's a it's a big change from being in like a hardwood underbrush to the middle of a prairie with like eight cactuses that you can use to your advantage. You know, I'm used to sitting like up in an oak tree with branches all over the place and a lot of cover. Um, so just to see. The process of that stalk was is honestly totally foreign to me, and uh, it's definitely a, a little change in pace from what I'm used to. But uh, no, it's it was a it was a cool experience. Kind of honestly, I think sitting in the background was even cooler because uh, I got to witness the whole thing, you know. And I wasn't necessarily in the middle of it, but watching from the bleachers, honestly, I, th- I think I learned as much as I would have from being in. You know, I got to see that pronghorn bedded down and. Uh, you know, I was just kind of keeping eyes on him. Kyle just said to to watch and see how he reacts to Rodney and Shay's movements and see how he reacts. So it was pretty cool. And obviously you guys got well within range before he even – I don't even necessarily know if he knew we were there at first. Um, it, I couldn't tell you. It was, a, it was one of those scenarios where he stood up because he knew something yep. was yeah. around, but he didn't know what it was. He, he, he probably caught a, a little whiff of, of, you know, scent on the air. He might have caught a little bit of movement. You, you don't yeah. necessarily know, but I, you're right. I don't he, think he saw us. He didn't know we. He didn't know necessarily what was there. He just knew something was off. Yeah. Yeah. And and here's a point, and you can tell that by the way he stood up. Yeah. And and here's a point. So I do not think that he saw. I, I, as a matter of fact, I'm positive he didn't see us. Yeah. Because I had to lift my head up quite a bit to see his horns clearly. Yep. So I know that we were out of sight. And we positioned ourselves behind a prairie dog mound. So it wasn't just grass. Because one thing that they can do is see through the grass. So you think, oh, his horns are sticking up above the grass so he can't see us. But if, if there's grass there, he can absolutely see some movement through mm-hmm. that grass, right? But that wasn't the case. We had that prairie dog mound in front of us. So it wasn't grass that was between us and his head. It was, it was solid dirt. So I don't think he saw us at all. He may have heard us. He may have smelled us, like Kyle said. Another scenario, and this is something for everybody to be careful of, the spotters might have been seen. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, and we talked about that, didn't we, Cosie? Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. It, that that happens. But if that's the case, the same thing. He, he's it's, it's, not a, it's not an oh, shit moment where he's going to jump up and haul ass. He stood up very calmly, and that gave Shay the time to go ahead and get in a sitting position, get the mock rifle on <laughs> on the shooting sticks and take aim um and and pull the trigger um, you know for all intensive purposes Scream um, boom e- exactly <laughs> boom boom <laughs> um 
and, and the antelope still just stood there like, what was that? And then he did, proceeded to walk to us. So we got within mm-hmm. 150 yards. I was hoping to get within 100. Um, my goal really was the um, that prairie dog mound. That's what I wanted to get to. And that would have put us just inside 100. Um, but we got to 150. And uh, then the dang thing walked to within about 80. Yeah. <laughs> just to check us out. Um but over, oh, overall, it was a really cool experience um, to get to go through and to get to pay attention to to Shay and, and talk Shay through it and, you know, kind of explain the different processes. You know, like we're walking here, now we're bending over here, and now we're crawling here, and now we have to be as quiet as we possibly can. Um, all of those little steps along the way uh, were pretty cool. But a step that we skipped, and, and I think that this is important too, um, before the stock ever even happened was deciding which animals to go after because there were a lot of pronghorn out there yeah, and there were several different groups and deciding. So, so one deciding factor that, that you're never going to get rid of is size of an animal, right? So if you've got a big O2 hundo sitting out there, it really doesn't matter what else is around. That's what you're going after, right? But what we're going to be doing when we go on our hunt is, the, on the actual hunt, is a female. Yep. A, a female or an the immature. The best opportunity So to it's going one. to be the best opportunity. So that was kind of the, the direction that we took today. Um, there were three separate groups, and one of them was pretty much, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, another group was out there and was more of a... We can make that happen, but we it's can a real make long that happen, stock. but it's a long yeah. stock. So, but they're not going to go anywhere. So let's see. So let's see what this what this one's going to do first. And to me, that's an important. And I don't think that we like talked about that enough with you, Shay. Today is that that is an important step in the process is actually deciding um, which animal you're going to go after mm-hmm. and and so the animal that we had um what basically what we were going to do is pull a drive-by yep just drive right past it and hope it doesn't run off completely think like a ranch truck think like a ranch truck and that's what we did we drove by it got over the hill went and parked and then you know once we were out of sight of the animal um kind of know where he was heading um, bef- before we lost sight of him and also kind of knowing the terrain, knowing that that canyon kind of led off down there. He kind of surprised me that he went up there and bedded down. I didn't expect that. I thought he would move a little farther. Um, you know, so, but, but that entire part of it, I don't think that we went over enough with you. Um, mostly because that was just kind of a Hail Mary. Yeah, let's see if this will work. And if it doesn't, we're still going to be in position to make a stock on this other group. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that is a very important part of it. And um, and even leading up, so when we got out of the vehicle, right, and the very first move we made was, like I was explaining to you, Shay, when we were going up there, is, hey, let's get to this spot and try and spot him. That's, that's, that was the goal, is let's... Let's make our way to that big cactus and use it as cover to stand up fully, get behind the glass, and 
find him and then make our plan from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those two steps, you know, I think I, I know that we've talked about that part, but but those two steps I think are pretty critical. Um, and going up to that bush, I the, the first cactus, you know, um, I think I explained to you, Shay, out in the field that one of the things about antelope is they will they're they're very unpredictable, right? They they can just turn and run. 200 yards for no damn reason whatsoever. I've watched them do it a thousand times. They're just like, hey, cool, let me run for a little while. Um, so I'm you don't... Def- definitely not my spirit animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but because of that, you can't just say, I'm going to completely take my time, right? Yeah. But in that particular moment, you do. Because you, you haven't got your eyes on him again. You don't know. He could be coming up that hill right straight for you. You just don't know. He could have just turned back and went the other direction. So that first initial part. And we talked about that, didn't we, Kazi? Yes, we did. Yeah. So yeah, and me and Shay talked about it as well. That yeah. first initial part, just take your time. Yep. Take your time. Be slow. Don't blow it. Find the animal and then make your plan. If you have to move fast to get in position from there, great. Uh, otherwise, take your time because it's better to blow it because you took your time than to blow it because you move too fast. And, and coming back to your question, Shay, about, you know, a critique or, or whatever of the, of the stock, I can't really make one because you did, you, you got within um, what I would consider effective range, even for someone who's never shot anything before. Yep. Uh, most, if not all of our, uh, well, most of our participants have sh- shot within that range. Yes. That one, 150, uh, we try and get them within under 100, but that's really hard with antelope. Mm-hmm. You saw the cover that we had. You saw you saw what you had to do to get within that range. Yeah. And so, uh, that you know, that's why we, we really, you know, harp on being able to effectively shoot to pr- preferably 300 yards. Um just some some notes from my point of view uh i i had a great time just watching you guys work because uh it gave me a chance to sit and talk to Causey about all the things that were happening why they were happening uh you know coming over that hill it's a really risky move typically when you're hunting you don't want to skyline yourself Mm -hmm. that's why two reasons why rodney picked that cactus one he knew we were going to have to skyline. And if you're going to skyline, try and skyline behind something that is going to camouflage or conceal your movements. And that's why he picked that cactus. The second was the wind. Um, if we had gone any further to the left, uh, that, that our, our scent cone would have probably reached him sooner than it did. Uh, I actually think that's probably what, he, what made him stand up is yeah. he got a little whiff of something. Um, but th- that that move in and of itself got you within 240 yards. I, I ranged him at that cactus. He was within two, 240 yards. For a, for a veteran hunter, Kazi mm-hmm. um, and I had this conversation. For a veteran hunter, if you're comfortable out to that 200, out to that 300, uh, it it might be just as easy 
just to sit behind that cactus, relax, wait for him to stand up, and then pop right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we we like to close that distance, uh, especially with new hunters, to, to take out any of that variability that you get with distance. So having said that, um, as I was sitting there and, and you, you guys were making your move, uh, I explained that all that to Kazi. I said, look, uh, we... If you're experienced and you're comf- you're confident in in the shooting ability, you could absolutely just sit right here, wait for him to stand up, and shoot him. Uh, you have to weigh those pros and cons. Yeah. Um, pro of getting closer, you remove variables. Con of getting closer, every step you get closer, uh, the more risk of losing risk you have of busting, getting busted, or whatever else. Um, so you weigh those pros and cons. Um, like I said, I can't really say that I have many critiques because, in my opinion, successful stock. Had we been uh, there to shoot that animal, that animal would be on the ground. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it, it'll be helpful for you now that you have done that mm-hmm. uh, when we take Mike out and try and do this same thing. It will be helpful for you because... You're now going to look at this from a completely different perspective and recognize what's going on. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to see it from that other perspective. One of the really little comments that Rodney made that, that I thought was interesting and helped me was when we got to that first bush, you could kind of just see over that, that ridge. And uh, Rodney told me to look for, at the top of the bush that was right over it so I could kind of see how steep it was sloping. Yep. Uh, yeah. And that was something I wouldn't have thought about, but but was super helpful. And we and and Kazi and I talked about that. You know, um, you look out across that landscape, and at first glance, it looks flat. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, it really does. But there's a ton of terrain um, that you can use. I mean, you guys knocked off probably forty to fifty yards by crawling in a, a depression. That unless you're laying on the ground, you can't see. Yeah. Um, and that that can be the difference between getting one and not getting one. Yeah. And so learning how to recognize those little um, those little undulations, those little, particularly in pronghorn hunting, but those little uh, terrain features that you can use is really important. Um, because every advantage you can get, you got to take it. Sure. Yeah. And uh, so for critiques from me, I I, I literally have none, um, because you did everything that we wanted you to do today. Uh, You listened to all the instructions. You took it in. You obviously have made mental notes of the things that made sense to you and asked questions about the things that didn't. And you kept your head up watch the animal um you were super quiet you, you did a really good job you know staying quiet following me um staying like you know like i expl- when i when i turned around and explained to you i said um i want you to stay up right next to me rather than behind me because in the real scenario if the animal stands up you're gonna have to take a shot and i don't want to be in front of you mm-hmm. if i'm in front of you you can't take the shot so and and you moved right up next to me when when I kind of tried to uh, get us 
uh, veered over. So as we were going, we kind of got to the left of that uh, prairie dog mound. And I knew that I was perfectly behind it, but you weren't just a little bit. So I had us move over. You moved right over. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything worked really well. I mean, I wish we could have gotten to that that mark of the prairie dog mound, but it was still a successful stock, you know, and things change when you're out there and success doesn't depend on executing the initial plan that you put in place. It depends on you being able to to adapt adapt and make the right decisions on the way up there. And so to me, it's a huge success for you because that's what you did. You listened, you, you, you followed the instructions, and you made it work. It, it's extremely hard to sneak up on an animal by yourself. It's twice as hard to do it with two people. And it's you get even two, more exponentially harder yeah. with four people. <laughs> yeah, it, it just is. So, so no, there's no critique whatsoever because, it, I mean, you, you literally did a great job. You, you got set up in a shooting position and... Uh, fake shot that animal in a very reasonable amount of time. So <laughs> there's 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 literally nothing to critique, man. You did a great job. Um, and this is not me tooting my horn or anything, but had you been by yourself, you probably would have blown that stock. Oh, 100%. But you would have learned something from it. And and that's good. And and with this, that's that, I mean, that's what we're trying to do here is give you that experience to go out by yourself and not... We're trying to knock off years of your learning. Curve. Exactly, exactly. That's that's what the whole goal is: is is to to you got ten or fifteen stocks worth of experience in that one stock, and and that's the whole point of Hunt It Forward to help you guys, you know, uh, get into hunting without having to go through all of the failures. We want you to go through some because it's important, but. Um, well, we re- we real uh, yeah. It's not that we want you to go through some. We realize that you're going to go through enough failure in hunting. Yeah. We want you to again. We want to knock gears off of your learning curve and and just give you a boost into it because we recognize fully that uh, you're going to have plenty of failure. We want you to have that taste of success and have that that card in your archive that you can roll back to and say, I know I can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And I just want to say how much I appreciate you two being patient and understanding, like even little things when I, when I pulled out the binoculars and didn't know how to focus it, neither of you even laughed. You just both put stuck out your arm and try to take it and show me how to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I appreciate that because it's already slightly intimidating coming into uh, the hunting world. One that I know nothing about. Uh, so you guys just being, like I said, understanding of when little things like that, I don't know that I know you guys do, uh, and helping me out. I, I do appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, today was, today was a, a, an extremely great experience for us as, as well as hopefully for you guys. Um, I hope it's neat to watch it from that side. It's just really freaking neat to watch it from that side, man. I, I hope you guys like I hope you guys kind of got that taste. Uh, the coolest thing about hunting is we we left this afternoon at 4.30. We saw a, a few 
goats on the way down to to where we went but really once we got in place and and actually did the stock you maybe got an an hour yeah of hunting yeah um the coolest thing about it is you get to do that for you know 3 days 5 days mm-hmm. um and and every bit of it is is just like that it's just yeah. this um it's just an experience that you it's really hard to 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 get across yeah it can there will come a time when it makes it hard to pull the trigger because you don't you'll want be you'll end. be there on the first morning you'll have completed a successful stock like that and you're like if i pull the trigger right now my hunt's over you will face yeah, that's that that's interesting you will face that in your hunting career because i have and it's it's a weird feeling because you're you know for so long the the goal is just to get an animal you know mm-hmm. and at some point in time it's like man i want to go hunting some more I don't. I don't want to be done right now, unless it's a big O two hundo. Then you're going to splatter that dude and be like, "Camp bitch." <laughs> well, and and so this is kind of like we've we've talked about this on on some other podcasts. It seems we say that a lot, but yeah, so, so be it. It's our our podcast. We can do what we want. Um, that that is one of the reasons I thoroughly enjoy hunting with. My buddies. I, I thoroughly hunt, enjoy hunting with my friends, with other people. Um, if you solo hunt, cool. That's that's your gig. You go do it. But the nice thing about hunting with buddies, if you see one on the first day and you splatter that sucker, your hunt is over, but you still get to have that experience because yeah. you're now helping your buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you still get to make stocks. And you yeah. still get to test your skills against animals. And you still yeah. get to um, do all those things um, with the option of saying, nah, I'm going to sleep in this morning. <laughs> yep. 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 It just prolongs your hunt. That's a really cool way to think about that's it. A, yeah. That's all it does. It prolongs your hunt. Kazi, final thoughts? No, it was all. It was an awesome experience. And... Uh, I know I'm not the one pulling the trigger when it comes down to the hunt, but uh, it's awesome to learn. I have a pronghorn hunt in August in Colorado, so I uh, I definitely took some notes tonight, and uh, hopefully I can use them to execute that hunt. Absolutely. Excellent. Touche? I, yeah, I loved everything about today. I, I was saying to you guys, I felt like I was playing hide-and-seek. And although I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have the gun... And I wasn't shooting the animal. I was still just. I was still super excited. I'm sure my yeah. adrenaline will be pumping when I, when it comes down to the the actual day. But wait, uh, wait till we go through shooting. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but either way, I, I had an absolute blast. And like I said, I really appreciate you guys being patient and and honest. And uh, and yeah, I loved everything about it. I'm excited to move forward and and do the next step with you guys. Excellent, awesome, Kyle. Uh, yeah, just man have fun take it in uh i i i get to be selfish this is fun for us we enjoy teaching this to other people it it is and and that's what i want to leave with is go take somebody hunting because it is so much fun i i've always you know we've talked about this a lot maybe not on the podcast but but as friends kyle um, when it comes to our hunts, we like it to be our group, right? Me, you, and Deedon. That's the way we like to do our hunts. Huh. But 
that doesn't mean that that can be the only hunting you do. I absolutely love going with other people hunting because what little knowledge I have, I like sharing. Um, and it's, it's one more it's day just, in the field. It's, yeah, it's another day in the field. And, it, it, and any experience helps, man. And being selfish a little bit, man, I learned so much from doing this. Yep. I learned so much because we're able to sit back and observe. Um, and I, I think it's really cool. <laughs> We've talked about this for sure, how the conversation that I'm having with Shay out there as we're 100 yards from you guys on our hands and knees crawling through the freaking desert is the same conversation that you're having with Kazi as you're watching and explaining, this is what Rodney's doing, and this is why. And it's right on. It's yep. it's spot on. That's that's pretty cool to me. It would be interesting to listen to mic you both up <laughs> right. and, and hear how similar it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for joining Awesome. Thanks, awesome. guys. Kazi, thanks for joining. And you, hey, Kyle. Adios. <laughs> See you later, buddy. Bye, guys. <laughs> Adios, guys. <laughs> thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios. Adios.